Foundation Singapore podcast. And last week, Pastor Joey expounded on the story of Ruth and how we can make both godly and pragmatic decisions in times of famine. A famine in the Bible can sound so foreign to us today because we are living in a world that looks very different. So some other terms that may describe a famine and its effects in today's world is a recession. The head of the World Trade Organization just warned that several major economies face a real risk of sliding into recession because of the war in Ukraine, rising food, fuel costs, soaring inflation, and also there's financial crisis, that's another term. And most of us know this, soaring inflation. A headline by Bloomberg reads that UK's inflation is reaching a 41-year high. And of course, this picture may look familiar to some of us living in Singapore. In June this year, we faced a shortage of fresh chicken in Singapore. Some countries had shortages of french fries. And of course, last but not least, rising home loan interest rates. Just a few days ago in Singapore as well, some of the banks announced that they'll be raising interest rates to 4.5%, up to 4.5%, our highest in almost 20 years. But maybe for you today watching this, your famine looks more personal, it looks different from the rest of us. Maybe you're going through a time of wilderness, a season where everything feels so dry. Or there's a lack of provision. You're struggling financially. You're praying for a new job. Or even isolation, a famine on a personal level and you feel lonely and isolated. But in the midst of all that, God has a purpose for every famine we face. And today I'd like to talk to you about redemption in recession. What it means to discover God's redemptive purpose and His power in the midst of a financial or personal recession or famine in this life. And with that, let's look at a boy who had a dream in the Bible and how that applies to us today. I'm giving us an overview for the sake of time, but I want to encourage us to dig into this story and God's Word in your own time because there are so many lessons we can glean from the Word of God. And there was a young man in the Bible who received a dream from God. We all know this story, but because of that dream, he was thrown into the pits by his brothers. Now, great, I received this dream and now I am in the pits. But it's not just that, he was taken down to Egypt as well and sold as a slave. It doesn't stop there. Surprise is, he becomes the overseer of that house. The Lord was with Joseph and he became successful. That's what the Bible says. But then comes another twist. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him and now he is thrown into prison. How would you feel? Now Joseph, in this twist, is in charge of the entire prison and whatever he did prospered. Can you imagine that? But just when your dream has not been fulfilled yet. Two of Pharaoh's officials suddenly have dreams and now you have to interpret their dreams when God has not fulfilled His dream for you yet. How would you feel? Basically, what happens is Joseph interpreted their dreams and told the chief cupbearer 
to remember him. But two full years had passed and he was forgotten. But here comes another twist. Pharaoh has a troubling dream and no one in his kingdom could interpret it for him. And now we pick up from there and come to this point of the story in Genesis 41 verse 15 to 16. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And today from this text, I want to show you why God allows famine. And the first reason is this, to awaken our hearts to Him. And we read this earlier in verse 15 and 16. And I want to focus in on the last part, which says, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Basically, God was using this situation to awaken Pharaoh's heart, to see that there was a higher power at work that even his own magicians and wise men could not match to. Joseph was also pointing Pharaoh to God by saying, it's not me. God will give you an answer. Friends, there will be times in our lives where even the systems of this world will not be able to provide us an answer. But what happens after this? Pharaoh is awakened. He says this in verse 38. He said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And it's in those times that God will cause people to see the Spirit of God in us. And we ourselves are awakened to rely on the Spirit of God as well, not our natural wisdom. Can you imagine this with me for a moment? You walking into the office and your boss, who's not a believer, suddenly looks at you and says this, can we find a man, a woman like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? That is powerful. And Pharaoh had not known God yet. But Pharaoh must have been really impacted by this because the next thing he does is this. He names Joseph Zephanath Paneah, which basically in Egyptian it means God speaks and he lives. A pre-believer to be awakened to see the power of an almighty God that he lives and he speaks. And it's also an opportunity for us in this turnaround to point people back to him. Friends, it's not our talents, it's not our giftings that will redeem people, but it is God. And Joseph was clear with Pharaoh that it is God that will give him a favorable answer. The next thing God does is when he allows famine, it's because he wants to establish his purpose. God's purpose was to redeem Jacob and his descendants together with the entire world. But it was only possible if Pharaoh appoints Joseph, who was the only one in the whole kingdom that had the wisdom of God, and the plan to write this recession out. And let's see, this is Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And it says here in verse 29 to 30, there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. This is Joseph speaking to Pharaoh. 
But after them, there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. And so this was the reality that Joseph was telling Pharaoh. This is the problem that was presented to Pharaoh. But let's look next at what was God's solution to the famine in verse 33. So now let Pharaoh prepare ahead and look for a man discerning and clear-headed and wise and set him in charge over the land of Egypt as governor under Pharaoh. Ultimately, this was God's purpose to raise Joseph for such a time as this. But why did he need to raise Joseph? What was the result of that? And in verse 56 to 57, the Bible says this, so when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And friends, God's purpose was to raise Joseph so that through one man, God can redeem and save not just his chosen people, but the whole earth from death and destructions. Friends, even in crisis and times of famine, God can establish His purpose in your life. He is not governed by famine or crisis and He has a way out always for us as His people. And lastly, why God allows famine is to bring about divine provision and restoration. And the Bible says here in 40, chapter 42, verse 2, And he said, Behold, I've heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. This is Jacob speaking. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. Basically, Jacob and his children had almost run out of their grain. Because of Joseph, there was grain in Egypt. And because there was grain in Egypt, now the children of God could live and not perish. But friends, I don't want you to miss this. There was something else God was doing. It was not just provision God was working out for Jacob and his family, but it was restoration among Joseph and his father and brothers. And this was the exact starting point in verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Friends, God was planning something else behind the scenes. And this was the starting of a wonderful work of God. He was doing in Joseph's heart and his family. And this is the holistic nature of God. He's not just interested in providing for us alone, but the healing and restoration of our relationships. So the big question is this, how can I, how can we respond to the work of God in our lives? The first thing to do is to take the action step. It sounds so simple, but let me explain in chapter 42, verse 1 to 2, Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt. He said to his sons, why are you staring at one another in bewilderment and not taking action? And he said, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down, buy some grain so that we may live and not die. 
the last thing you want to do in times of famine is to stand around and just stare at each other. Jacob's response was immediate. He says, I've heard about this. Go down and get it. Otherwise, we die. Friends, we've got to do our part even as God is doing His. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is God does everything and I don't even need to take the pragmatic step. It just doesn't work that way, friends. We've got to save. We've got to invest. We've got to take care of our health. We've got to exercise. God's not going to do that for you. He gave us hands and a mental faculty precisely to do that for ourselves. And He does what He does best, the supernatural. The second way we can respond is to recognize God's sovereignty and His goodness. In verse 5 to 8, says here, Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. This was Joseph finally telling his brothers, revealing who he really is. And he goes on to say, For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Again, he repeats, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph basically recognized that there was a higher purpose and reason for what happened to him. God was still in control and working out something despite his own brothers betraying him. But it's not just God's sovereignty that Joseph recognized, but the goodness of God, especially after his father died and his brothers were again afraid that he will kill them. And this is what he told them. He said, Do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people shall be kept alive as they are today. Joseph basically acknowledged that he is not in the place of God, but he also acknowledged it is the goodness of God in the situation. How can God be good if Joseph was betrayed and sold as a slave? But it was through this very evil that his brothers planned, God turned around for good and used that situation to put Joseph in charge of Egypt's economy and thus saving the entire world. Friends, it does not mean there will be no suffering in this life. But what it means is God can turn it all around for His good and because of a higher purpose so that through us, many other people can be saved and can be redeemed. And last but not least, how we can respond is to obey God's leading. And chapter 46, verse 3 and 4 says this, Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. This is God speaking to Jacob. Maybe Jacob was afraid because he heard how Abraham went down to Egypt 
And Pharaoh was afflicted with plagues because he lied about his wife being his sister. Or maybe how God had told Isaac not to go down to Egypt, but to stay in the land where God had called him. But isn't it interesting how God works? What works for one person may not work for someone else. God actually tells Jacob, you can go down to Egypt. I will prosper you and be there with you. And let's see where exactly he goes to in Egypt. In verse 28, the Bible says that he had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Now, what is the significance of this place called Goshen? And what actually happened to the children of Israel in Goshen? Chapter 47 verse 27 shows this, this to us. Now the people of Israel lived in the country of Egypt, in the land of Goshen. And they gained possessions and acquired property there and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Goshen was actually the best of the land. It was a place of provision and protection. In fact, this was right in the midst of famine and they continued prospering. And in Exodus 8 and 9, we see how God protected the land of Goshen as well from the plague of flies and hail. He sent to Egypt because his people dwelt in Goshen. In the same way, today, God has a Goshen for us as believers. But we've got to follow the leading of God, friends. It may look different from what He has commanded others to do, but God will not fail you. And let's see what happens when we obey God. Basically, the blessings of obedience. The first blessing is God's provision. Jacob had nothing in Genesis 42. In fact, he said, we're about to die. But how God brought him on a journey and restored him in the land of Goshen. And of course, God's restoration as well. Not just a redemption in recession, but a restoration and reconciliation in recession. God does a complete work of not just restoring provision, but healing the relationship between brothers. I want to say this to us today, that the scars of yesterday, the pain of yesterday, can become your story today to share the restoration that God has done in your life. Friends, nothing is wasted. The pain of today can lead you to the promise tomorrow if only you hang on and trust God in the unknown seasons. And last but not least, the blessing is God's redemption. Physically, we are saved. Spiritually, we are redeemed. Again, we see how God restored and blessed Jacob and his descendants holistically. It was not just financially, but relationally as well. But not just relationally, but spiritually and physically as well. Friends, the great news and probably the most important for us right now is this. Joseph was merely a type and shadow of someone else greater who came down to earth 2,000 years ago for us. 
And there was someone else like Joseph who was a beloved son, but he was stripped of his robe. And he became a slave, servant to many, but he was wrongly accused. He went down to the pits of hell, but was exalted on high. And now he is seated on the highest throne. And friends, his name is Jesus. And who Joseph was to his people many years ago, a type and a shadow. Friends, I want to declare to you today, Jesus Christ is to us today, the perfect Lamb of God. And that's why we are called to look to Jesus today in Hebrews 12 to tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How many of you are thankful for the finished work of Jesus Christ in our lives? And in closing today, I want to end with this verse that has really encouraged me and I hope it encourages you. In Psalm 37 verse 18 to 19, the Bible says this, Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. And get this, even in famine, they will have more than enough. And friends, with God, there can always be redemption in recession. I want to sum up why God allows famine is to awaken our hearts to Him, is to establish His purpose, and finally is to bring about provision and restoration. But how can we respond with all that God is doing? First, we need to take the pragmatic step as well. We must recognize His sovereignty and goodness and we need to obey the leading of God. And last but not least, the blessings of obedience. What happens when we obey God's provision, God's restoration, and last but not least, God's redemption in our lives, a holistic healing of God and restoration, not just in the provision, but in the healing of our relationship. And right now, friends, I'd like to invite you to proclaim, to take up the cup and the bread as we go into a time of communion to remember the finished work of Jesus because of all that He has done on the cross, because He went through death and resurrected on high. Today, you and I are seated wherever we're at with a life filled with provision and restoration and blessings. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for this privilege and honour to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we thank You for Your finished work in our lives. And Father, we pray today You would seal that work in our hearts, in our lives, and that we will be able to find, even in times of recession, your redemption, your restoration, and your reconciliation. We thank you and we ask all this in your precious name. 
and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.